You are listening to the MJ Sportscast. Recapping the latest games, getting you up to date on the latest sports news, and providing our exciting Bay Area picks. This is the MJ Sportscast with your hosts, Mike Tang and Jerry Yang. Hello and welcome to the NJ Sportscast, aka the Yang and Tang Show. I'm your host, Jerry Yang, and my co-host, Mike Tang, is still on assignment, so probably back in a couple weeks. Until then, it's just me. And so let's get into some hot topics of the week, right? So I think the biggest topic this week is going to be on the NFL draft results from the Niners. And so let's break it down pick by pick, right? Um, but before I do that, I think my overall thoughts are pretty surprised that um, so many wide receivers got picked. I guess that made sense now that you saw Tyreek Hill, Devontae Adams, um, all these high-priced wide receivers were picked up uh, in free agents. So I think a lot of teams are gunning for uh, wide receivers so that they can kind of hedge your bets a little bit in terms of having a star for cheaper, right? A cheaper receiver as a star. And I think the Niners were no different. We did pick up a right receiver in uh, the third round as well as in undrafted free agents. And we'll get into that. Um, I'm also pretty surprised that the quarterbacks weren't picked as soon as they were. I think the only one in the first round was Kenny Pickett, who got picked up by the Steelers. Um, not surprised there. They needed a quarterback. Uh, they have Mitch Trubisky as a short term, but they're trying to develop somewhat longer. And Kenny Pickett seemed like uh, the guy that they decided to commit to. So, um, so yeah, let's break down the Niners picks. I've also went on the Niners Ultimate Report yesterday. So check that out on YouTube where me and John Jay there also broke down some of the picks. But I can kind of give your uh, give my thoughts on what the Niners did here, right? So let's start off with the first pick. Um, the they, Niners picked up Drake Jackson, a defensive end in the second round, pick number 61. I guess not surprised. Niners really like picking up defensive linemen. Um, another piece to be added, this guy can play, I guess, both linebacker and edge rusher. Um, so he can complement D Ford as well as uh, compliment, um, you know, whoever uh, Eric Armstead, um, side, side of Eric Armstead, right? So he has a speed, athleticism. Um, some of the downsides from him is that he only had 12 and a half sacks and 24 tackles in three seasons. So not that great, very uh, lackluster, I guess, when it comes to tackling. And there's also some potential maturity issues. So hopefully that doesn't become a big thing, right? Like we don't want um to have to have any issues like that that gets uh gets gets realized right so i think that's that's going to be uh something to look out for but overall i think this was a good pick drake jackson was uh i think projected to be higher up in the second round um but he fell down because a lot of teams didn't go for defense early right so i think this was a pretty good value pick for the niners overall um so we'll have to see how that pans out um, and then their next pick was actually a running back. I think this was the biggest surprise for everybody. So with the third pick, or third round pick at number 
three. They picked up Tyron Davis Price, running back from LSU. Um, you know, he played in the, in the SEC, so he's definitely battle tested. He's a bigger and more physical back, so I think we'll be using him a lot more on the goal lines and and trying to get um, more physical, right? So more physical type of game. Um, but the I think the issue with him is he's not fast, right? Like you kind of lose your speed by being bigger and by being more physical. But definitely something they want to complement uh, what Debo Samuels brings to them, right? A more physical back type of thing. Um, though they can't complement with speed, which brings you to the next pick, which is Danny Gray. So right receiver in the third round, pick 105 overall. So that's where the speed comes in, right? You have Danny Gray, who has uh, a 4-3-3 in a 40-yard dash. Um, I think the biggest issue with Danny Gray is going to be his drops. He's been known to drop the ball a few times, so got to watch out for that. Then clean that up. I think this was a great pick overall. Um, just to get speed, get some more depth. Um, a lot of people are asking if he's going to play the slot, but listening to Matt Miyoko on uh, KMBR sounds like he's going to be more of the X position, it seems like, so lower side X position. Um, so that'll be a good uh, spreading the field type of player, right? I think with Trey Lance being able to throw the ball and be able to, um, you know, drop back and throw, throw for a lot more yards than Jimmy G. Uh, someone Danny Gray can kind of benefit from that from that type of quarterback play. So pretty excited about him. A lot of people uh, really like that pick. So next pick, they finally went offensive lineman Spencer Buford, uh, Buford in the fourth round, pick number 134. So this guy, he can play uh, guard. I think he's known to be playing interior guardman. So lots of strengths, has a good measurables, athleticism is there. Um, I think the biggest issue with him is on some technique issues, right? Seeing some stuff with his hands and feet. Um, and he's a bit undersized for an uh, offensive lineman. So I think in the offseason, he's going to have to pack on, pack on some more weight, some more mass. Um, don't really see him hitting the field, uh, especially with Aaron Banks there and also with Daniel Brunskill. Um, I think if they have to move Brunskill to center, um, if Alex Mack retires, then I think we will probably see Spencer Burford a lot more. Um, he's definitely a guy that you can probably plug and play into the NFL because he has those measurables and the strengths and just needs to clean up a few things. So we'll see how it plays out, but uh, definitely a good piece to add for the Niners there. And then next pick was Samuel Womack. He's a cornerback in the fifth round, pick number 172. He's essentially going to be the replacement for Kwan Williams, right? Like he's a nickelback. Um, just like K1, um, he is good with the speed. He has a lot of speed, um, great at pass breakups, so he can definitely get there. Uh, very smart player. I think the biggest thing with him is he lacks size and he has some issues tackling, right? So they have to definitely clean that up a little bit. I think playing the nickel, um, not having size is fine, but he probably needs to do some off-season training so they get some strength in there and then be able to uh, be efficient um, in terms of um, the, what the nickel position demands. So so we'll see how that plays out. I think that's going to add more depth piece, especially if Aubrey Thomas is going to be the one playing nickel uh, going forward. Um, they will need some another piece there just in case uh, they need to sub him out, right? So 
And then I think uh, next pick with the sixth round, um, I picked 187. Um, Niners picked the offensive lineman again. They went for Nick Zekilio. I think Nick Zekilic. I think it's a very uh, interesting name, kind of hard to pronounce. Um, but the guy can play guard. He can play tackle as well. So there's some um, good, great uh, flexibility. I think the Niners really like that. He has a good feel for the pocket, great hands and feet for pass protection. So a little bit opposite of Buford where, you know, he has, uh, um, you know, more of those intangibles there. Um, the only issue with him that I've read that is he struggles a little bit with zone blocking or out of the zone blocking rather. He played a very zone blocking scheme and a lot of power players can knock him off his feet, off his base, uh, which I think some of the bigger teams uh, best um, defensive line players did do, and I think that's why he dropped to the sixth round, right? I think he still uh, struggles a little bit with different schemes there, so we'll see how it plays out with him. Um, I'm guessing he's going to be a backup for a while, um, unless we need him, uh, so I don't expect him to be on the field much. Okay, the next guy they picked up was Kalia Davis, defensive tackle in the sixth round at 220. Um, so he's being compared to DJ Jones, right? I think he's a very explosive player, very athletic, has a size, quick on his feet to attack the edges. Uh, biggest issue with Kalia Davis is that he had an ACL injury in 2021. He opted out of the 2020 season because of COVID. And because of that, he has some conditioning issues, right? So if you miss so much time, I think he got hurt actually October of last year. So that it kind of set him back in terms of, being on the field ready, uh, but definitely a guy that everyone's excited about. If he can be like DJ Jones, he'll be a definitely a steal in the sixth round. So a high value pick with high upside. Um, but that ACL injury is going to be the concern there, right? So we'll have to see uh, if he can recover fully from that. And then next pick, Niners pick Tariq Castro Fields. He's a cornerback, sixth round pick at two twenty one. So big upside with this guy is that he's big. He can uh, he has big long and can run. And it's great at breaking up passes. So he's definitely going to be a quarterback that can um, um, get in faces of receivers and be able to disrupt plays. The only issue with him and why he fell is because he plays a very zone heavy defense in college. Um, he gets beat a lot by double moves, and he also missed games in twenty twenty. So that's going to be some big downsides. Um, if Niners can teach him a little bit more with man or see if um, he fits in certain schemes, uh, we'll probably see him on the field a little bit more. But most likely, he'll probably be like a practice player for a while, back up until, uh, until he's needed. All right, and then with the last pick, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, quarterback in the seventh round at 262. Uh, this was an interesting pick, mainly because the Niners have three quarterbacks already with Jimmy G and with Nate Sudfield. They added another one, Brock um, Purdy. Most likely he's going to be a practice player, is what people are saying, or a third QB. Guy has good upside, though. He has a four-year as a team leader. You know, Everyone says he's a big team leader on offense. He's accurate. He actually does really well with progressions. So a lot of comparisons to Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones was that guy as well. Um, only issue with him is he lacks speed, so he's not really a running quarterback. 
he holds the ball a bit too long, and they have to work on his delivery. He has a weird, a really weird release. If you look at some of his highlights in college, um, the ball, the way the ball comes out just doesn't look like a pro style uh, release, right? Like a little bit like how Tim Tebow was, if the other players like that stature. So they have to clean that up a little bit. And I think um, he'll be a pretty good backup for the Niners going forward. So, and I know a lot of people are actually really excited about that pick. Um, he was a steal, obviously, in the seventh round, so Niners aren't giving up much. Um, so that I think that was an interesting pickup there. And so some notable undrafted picks um, that I want to highlight. I think there was three major ones that that were actually picked up. So uh, safety, Leon O'Neal Jr. from Texas A&M. Um, the biggest upside for him is his size. He's really big. He shows a lot of effort on the field, has good anticipation of the ball, so reminds me a little bit of Jimmy Ward um, there. The only issue is he does lack speed and he struggles with man coverage, right? So that's going to be um, why he was undrafted. Um, a lot of uh, concerns probably surrounding surround that side, so if you can clean that up, um, he'll probably be a good safety to complement um, what we already have because um, we definitely need more depth at safety. Um, next uh, undrafted player I want to highlight is offensive line Donovan West from Arizona State. Um, this guy's great. His versatility is the fact that he can play guard and center, which will probably become critical in a couple of years, mainly because Alex Mack will probably retire, if not this year, then next year. So he can hopefully work his way to the center position as a starter. Uh, he was a three-year starter in both positions, which is pretty impressive in college. Um, the only issue with him is he is a little bit undersized. He needs help a little bit finishing the finishing blocks, which means he probably gives up a lot of sacks. And his hand and footwork coordination needs help. Right? So those are um, some things I think through coaching and through repetition that you can probably clean up. Uh, the undersized part is a little bit of a concern because at center you do want someone big to be able to protect down the middle, um, but with a few technique changes that could um, – definitely improved there. And I think the last guy that everyone's really excited about that's undrafted is Jason Poe. He's an offensive lineman as well. Um, he's from Mercer College. He has above aware, above average awareness of the field, especially in pocket pass protection. I guess he has a little bit of awareness of the pocket, uh, natural athleticism, and good hands. They did say he did struggle with pass protection, which is interesting because he does have good awareness of the pocket, but struggle with that. Uh, and needs help with his handwork, right? So that means he probably gets beat a lot on top, um, which isn't good for an offensive line guy, but I think where he was picked up and undrafted, uh, a lot of people liked the upside for Poe, right? And there was a lot of talks about Poe there. Um, so yeah, overall, I think the Niners did a great job in terms of adding more depth to the quarterback position, adding more offensive linemen, Um Grade-wise, I gave the Niners pick this year a B plus, um, B plus, or sorry, B minus rather, <laughs> B minor C plus, um, mainly because I was surprised by the running back pick in the third round. I thought there could have been more safety help that they could have picked up. Um, there's two safeties I drafted after um, Tyron Davis uh, Price, so it felt like a little bit of a reach there. 
Also, the fact that Debo and Jimmy G both weren't moved, uh, mainly Jimmy G, right? Like you would think during the draft, there was some movement, especially not a lot of quarterbacks were picked up. So you would think there would be uh, some some movement there. Now I think we have to wait till June before we can see any real movement for uh, Jimmy G because the season will start. Same with Debo. I think practice camp or training mandatory training camp starts. That's when um, you know Debo will start losing money if he doesn't participate in practices. So I'm guessing a deal will be worked out before then. Uh, we'll have to see. With the new CPA, they're actually really strict about missing games and losing money. Because uh, they don't want to get into the same situation as Levy on Bell, uh, so the Niners will will see some uh, activity there. Hopefully, be able to re-sign Debo. Right, I think that's the biggest message from this draft: the fact that Debo didn't get moved um, signals to me that he's probably coming back. And there was interesting that the Jets had a pretty low ball offer for him, and that kind of shows you how the league thinks about him, right? And I think the Niners can kind of highlight some of those things and say, look, we tried to shop you out. This is kind of the value that we got back. We'll give you a, you know, a compromise deal. I think he wants 30 million. Niners only want 25. So maybe they can work something out at 27 and maybe with less years, right? And see how that works. But we'll see how it goes with, um, with Debo's situation, but I'm suspecting for this month we're not going to see much activity unless he resigns. Um, but something to look out for. And then um, Jason Verrett got resigned for a one year deal, so that was a big deal. I think uh, mainly because I thought that he wasn't going to come back. Um, but the Niners did add a lot of quarterbacks, even in the offseason with Traverius Ward and with the draft. So now I felt like Jason Verrett's more of a luxury item versus a must-need item, right? I think last season when Verrett went out, uh, the Niners were in scramble mode. That's why they picked up Josh Norman. And then they were kind of realizing the value of that position and how important it is to have some depth pieces. So I think Jason Verrett coming back for one year was excellent, helps a lot with, um, with making that position less of a concern if there's anything to happen. Right, so I think that's I think that's why I think I gave the Niners a B minus grade is because I think the theme of this draft is add adding more depth pieces and being able to have some security around offensive line and secondary positions. So, in addition to the defensive line, which I think the Niners have always been really deep in, and now now the Niners got deeper, especially with Drake, right, Drake Jackson there. So. Uh, Jeannie Lou, thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, Jeannie Lou says, LL, probably a hit on Debo's ego. Yeah, I think the, um, Debo probably did get checked a little bit <laughs> his ego to know that there was a low ball offer. Um, there's probably other low ball offers, I'm guessing, because I, I, I'm sure the Niners were considering moving Debo in the draft if they got like an offer like what Tariq Hill was given right <laughs> with the Miami's uh, all the picks that Miami's gave up. I, I'm pretty sure the Niners will actually entertain that type of trade. Um, but because they didn't get the offer, um, nothing was done. So, so yes, I think they can definitely use that to their advantage when they're talking, talking to Debo again, trying to try to work out a new deal. So, all right, let's move on to the NBA. Now the Warriors win game one against the Grizzlies. 117 to 116. Lots of things happened in this game. I think the biggest news from the game was Draymond was ejected um, in the second quarter for a flagrant two. Not sure if everybody saw the actual play, but 
Uh, one of the guys from the Grizzlies went up. Draymond stepped in to defend. Then the guy, the guys uh, jumped over Draymond. Draymond grabbed the jersey and seemingly pulled him down, right? But based on what Draymond said, he was actually trying to help him up, which you can also see because when the player landed on the ground, he was still holding the jersey to try to help him for, have a soft landing. A little bit of an acting job from the Grizzlies player. Um, but then the flagger two was issued and Draymond was ejected. So that was a huge, huge moment for Warriors fans, right? And then uh, the league already said they're not going to downgrade that flagrant two. So I think Draymond needs to watch out. Uh, if he gets another flagrant two, there's going to be some suspensions coming his way. Uh, so he has to watch out. And I think uh, Draymond actually did a good job with a podcast. So if you want to check it out on YouTube, he has his own podcast as well, uh, where he kind of breaks down that situation from his side of the story. Um, a lot of it was him saying that he thought in the playoffs the refs would be uh, wouldn't be calling the whistle as much, letting the players play a little bit more, not be as soft, right? I think that was his words. Um, and I agree with him. I think uh, you know the NBA did get a little softer, mainly because of injuries and trying to protect stars. But if you watch that clip, I don't know that really. Uh, qualifies for a flagrant two. If anything, it's a flagrant one. I don't think Draymond win there with some malice. He definitely did some excessive, um, you know, physical defense there. So flagrant one, I thought was pretty appropriate because it was excessive. Uh, flagrant two really means that he put the player in danger and created a very uh, unsafe situation, which I don't think Draymond did there. If anything, he was trying to prevent a safe situation by trying to hold the guy up. Um, but obviously, those type of things are very, very much up for interpretation. So we'll have to see how that situation goes. But you know, despite that, uh, the Warriors still pulled out the win. Uh, one thing to watch out for, and we saw Clay Thompson uh, miss two free throws, but then got back on defense, was able to uh, block a lane that John Morant had throughout the whole fourth quarter. I think John Morant was able to just go down the lane and get some buckets uh, late in the game. Same with Jackson, uh, Jay Jackson Jr. Um, so we have to watch out for that. Uh, one thing that came out of the game, though, is that Clay Thompson did have some knee soreness issues. Um, fortunately, it's not on the one that he had the ACL surgery on, so that's that's a good sign. But it could be because of the other knee, he's overcompensating a little bit with uh, the good knee. So we have to see how how he um, how many minutes he actually gets. Um, I'm sure Kerr is going to be a little bit more careful with him um, in the next game. In this last game, he had 31 minutes, which is a lot. Uh, I think that he had the third most minutes in on the team next to Wiggins at 34 and Curry at 37. Um, I can see that going down a little bit more, right? Um, so we'll have to keep an eye out on that one. We definitely don't want to lose Clay there. Clay is uh, a big piece of of the of the team there. So so we'll see how it goes tonight. There's a game. Well, I'll do my picks at the end of the show as always. But it's been fun. I think I'm really happy for the Warriors to be back in. This actually marks the anniversary of the We Believe Warriors as well today. Um, so there was a big uh, video that I tweeted out today uh, commis commiserating um, um, the the We Believe Warriors. You know, and I think that was a very epic run they had there. And I think a lot of uh, fans of the Warriors today 
how you started becoming fans after that, uh, after that team. So I think the, the and also I think the significance of be of the We Believe Warriors is also why um, the ownership team decided to buy the team. Right, they saw the potential. They saw the potential in the sellout, in the crowd, and game Oracle, Oracle, Oracle going. Um, so that led to to a better ownership. Right, so definitely give a lot of props, a lot of credit to that. Uh, we believe team. All right, so let's move on to the MLB with the Giants. So San Francisco Giants start a new series with the Dodgers. It's a two-game series. Pretty interesting. I think the first game is pretty interesting to me, especially with uh, Carlos Rodon versus Julio Urias. So we'll see how it goes. Um, two of the best pitchers, I think, in the league. Best pitcher, number one starters on uh, both our teams. That's a Logan Webb for for the Giants. But Rodon has been, been pretty solid, right? Pretty solid. Um, even more so than Webb at times. So I think uh, this will be a really crucial matchup to kind of test and gauge where the Giants are. Uh, the unfortunate part is we're not sure about some players and they're coming back to play this game, mainly Jock Peterson. He missed Sunday's game uh, with a groin injury. He's kind of his day-to-day. So we'll have to see the injury reports to see if he can come back for uh, you know at least one game to face his old team, right? So we'll see how how well he feels, but I'm hoping he comes back. And lately, I think the last series with the Nationals, we did struggle. Um, out of the two, we out of the three game series, we lost two games. But the stats are unbelievable with this team, right? Um, and I just want to read out some stats I read that well, I thought was really interesting. So the Giants have runs per game five, which is amazing. Uh, that's first out of the 15 NL teams. Runs allowed per game is 3.4, which is fifth overall for all NL, NL teams. Um, they have the simple rating system at 1.8, which is second in the whole league. Hard hit balls per swing at 14.9%. That's second in the league. And then barrels allowed per PA uh, at 3.8, which is first in the NL. So... Amazing stats. I think the Giants are doing doing pretty awesome here, right? So, um, despite the losses, I think yeah, you know, this team's getting uh, pretty flexible in terms of versatile, rather. Uh, despite having some injuries, you know, like we still haven't seen Eva Lagoria on the field yet, um, and a few other players that were still like La Stella and a few other players there. Um, so once this team becomes in full force, uh, we'll see if these stats improve or how it goes. Uh, if they can keep up these stats, rather, because it's amazing and um, make the final push uh, uh, into the All Star break. So, and then what's up, G says, what's up, G? Uh, Radon over under is seven point five Ks against the Dodgers. Amazing, right? I mean, um, and with that. Over under, I might actually consider the over. I mean, he's been raking it, you know, like he's been the K master at this point. Uh, kind of reminds me of that Lincecum run with the Giants, uh, you know, being able to rack up at least uh, eight to 10 Ks per game, especially against big teams. So the Dodgers, I think, uh, are also rolling. 
right? Um, so this will be an interesting matchup. I think the Giants still doesn't get the respect uh, across the league. I've seen a lot of articles, especially at the national and ESPN level, that they're still still not considered a top 10 team yet, despite all these um, uh, stats. And not even top 10 in the NL for some, some analysts. So uh, I think if the Giants can beat the Dodgers convincingly or even in the close game, especially on the road, uh, it'll probably speak more volumes to 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 them being a more legitimate team in the eyes of the national uh, uh, media. Okay, so I'm gonna go on to my picks. Um, let's see. Okay, so G. Lou says they actually gave Giants number five on power rankings. Okay, so power rankings good. Uh, yeah, they should be higher though when it comes to power rankings, mainly because power rankings wave a record a lot more. Uh, so I thought they would be a lot higher, but yeah, I read some articles where they weren't even in the top 10. Uh, maybe it's changed since, but yeah, I still don't think they get the respect they deserve though. So I think that's uh, the the crappy part about, um, yeah, some of the East Coast bias that happens with uh, with national media. So, all right, game two. So let's go into picks of the week. Um so we're going to uh, pick game two of the Grizzlies and Warriors that's happening tonight. Interesting line that happened. It's Warriors minus two versus the Grizzlies. The over-under is 217.5. Um, so pretty mid-range over-under, which tells me, you know, I always like to pick the over-under first, mainly because I feel like it's a little bit easier sometimes. But this one's pretty tough. <laughs> 217.5. Um I think it's a little bit on the higher side, but not barely. Uh, I think it's swing either way. I'm going to go with the over. I think the Warriors and the Grizzlies really grinded out the last game, destroyed the over-under in that game, so I think it can continue, especially they're still on the road. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, though, if the Warriors do lock down a little bit more on defense, um, mainly because... I'm hoping <laughs> Draymond Green won't get ejected this game. Don't think he will. Um, so he'll probably add a lot more on that defensive front. I think GB2 has been looking great on defense as well, giving uh, the Warriors a lot of minutes uh, that are really productive there. So I think GB2 has been earned his spot, you know, especially closing out the last series. He's getting a lot of respect there. So, Okay, so Warriors minus two, the pick. Uh, this is a tough one, mainly because the Grizzlies are at home still. They did lose a game last game in pretty ugly fashion. What's interesting is the Warriors minus two was actually the line last game as well. Uh, and the Warriors didn't cover it, right? So a lot of people took Warriors minus two. We're hoping that Clay Thompson hit those two free throws that would put them over, um, you know, over, be able to cover. But... It didn't happen. This game, I think it happens. I think the Warriors are rolling. I think when you win a close game like what they won with the Warriors, they're, you have all the momentum, have all the grit. I think they're going to try to sweep the Grizzlies on the road here and then come back to Chase Center and uh, try to close out the series. So I think uh, I'm going to go Warriors minus two. Okay, so some comments I want to catch up on. So Gene Lou says, but I think it's because they looked terrible placing them so low last year, even with being number one record for most of the year last year. Yeah, I think that's referring to the Giants. They were number one record uh, from year, but yeah, they were placed pretty low. So what's up, Gene says, Warriors, easy win. Warriors have to be able to shoot better. No way 
JJJR hits that many threes. Yeah, I know. I know. Jackson's been impressive. I, I'm actually surprised in the last game how many threes, like you mentioned, that he got. Right. I never thought of him as uh, a three point shooter. Maybe he just felt it a little bit more with the Warriors. Um, similar to, I think, the Marcus Cousins in the, um, the series before, where, um, you know, the Warriors kind of brings out some of these guys in some ways on, on the other side, you know, like they're underestimating, I think, their opponents <laughs> when, when it comes to their shooting ability. And then, yeah, so hopefully it doesn't happen in this game, right? I think the Nuggets uh, was a tough closeout because of Kirk, uh, because of the Marcus Cousins. Uh, so hopefully this game, we won't see uh, another guy like that, right? And they have an answer for Jackson. All right, so last pick that we'll make is going to be on the San Francisco Giants series. So Carlos Rodon versus Julio Urias, like I mentioned, for game one. Alex Wood will be going for game two. It's still TBD on who's going to go for the Dodgers in game two. Um, so not sure who's who's going to go there. Kind of hard to pick. We don't know who the starting pitcher is. But you know what? I'm going to go probably, man, this is really tough here. I'm thinking we win the first game because I think Rodon is rolling. We're going to be in L.A. with the Dodgers. You know, so uh, Giants still have a lot to prove. Dodgers do have a lot of talent, though. I think that's going to be the t part that we're going to struggle with. We do struggle with Urias a lot, but he can be had. I think the Giants did figure something out late last season about Urias, so hopefully they can keep that going. So I'm thinking we still pull out the win, at least one win. So I'm thinking out of the two games, we at least get one win. Whether we sweep or not, that's going to be tough. Um, especially Alex Wood is a little bit unpredictable. Uh, he's been playing better. I think even this season he's been playing, you know, up and down. But yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go one and one just to be conservative, and it could be either game. I'm thinking we get the win tonight uh, with Radon and Uris, and then get lose maybe a close game in the second, or it could be the opposite. Right. So we'll see. <laughs> but I'll go one and one. Um, overall, I think it'll be a fun series to go. And uh, yeah, so we shall see. Um, all right, so I think this week the biggest news was the NFL draft. Um, so promo again, uh, check out the Niners Ultimate Report on YouTube. I was on that show yesterday with John Jay breaking down the draft. Um, I did break down the draft in this show as well. Uh, so what was everyone's thoughts on the, on the picks, right? So do you guys like it? Do you guys not like it? Uh, especially the people on the live stream, maybe you can weigh in on who was your favorite pick. Uh, can kind of comment on that. For me, my favorite pick was actually uh, Danny Gray. I thought that was a great pickup. Samuel Womack was a great pickup, mainly because we want needed a nickel quarterback uh, with Kwan Williams gone. And I thought there was a lot of value as well with uh, Tariq Castro-Fields, especially in the sixth round. Sounds like he fits our um, you know, zone scheme pretty well. So I think those are, I think, my three favorite picks. My least favorite pick, I think, was actually Tyron Davis-Price, mainly because I don't think we need that many running backs. Though we said that last year, and a lot of half of them got hurt, and we were kind of struggling. So maybe that's why we added more people but just felt like we reached a little bit too too high for him. Could have got a better safety there, so I didn't like that pick. 
And uh, yeah, I think that was my least favorite pick. My most uh, intriguing pick or the pick that I thought was the most interesting was Kalia Davis, mainly because of the ACL injury. Uh, his athleticism is off the charts. I think if he didn't have that ACL injury last year in October, he'll probably be like a second or third round pick. Um, because he had that injury, he's a sixth round pick. Those are always kind of high risk. Kind of reminds me of the Trent Balky days where uh, the Niners would pick ACL guys and, you know, roll the dice there. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully he's one of those guys that uh, recovers fully there and becomes a big guy for us. So. So yeah, anyway, so I think that wraps up the show here. So thank you very much, G Lou, for your comments. Uh, same with what's up, G. Uh, much appreciated. Thanks for tuning in there. Uh, so everybody, please go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, uh, give us some likes as well. We're trying to promote the YouTube channel, especially when uh, Mike comes back. I think we'll uh, try to have more guests on as well, uh, have a call in. We'll see what comes up. I know Mike uh, has been missing our show as well. I know he has a lot of uh, opinions on some of the things that happened. Um, but yeah, it's been uh, a lot of things to look forward to this week, especially with the Warriors uh, Grizzlies playoff series, as well as this Dodger Giants series. Two things I'll be keeping my eye out. And as always with the Niners, seeing what happens to Jimmy G. Uh, check out Rita Oak's uh, Twitter page. She's been uh, releasing a drawing a day until Jimmy gets traded. Uh, some of them have been really entertaining. Definitely uh, follow follow her on there if you haven't. Uh, I, thought, uh, I thought she did a really good job with uh, adding a lot of humor uh, to the whole situation. It's been, been helping, I think, a lot of Niner fans there. So. All right. Well, thank you. Hit subscribe. And uh, that's it for today. Take care. Thank you for listening to the MJ Sportscast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the MJ Sportscast at Mike408 at MindOfJerry11. Tune in next week for another exciting episode.